you want to learn more about effective management, head over to madsingers.com and sign up for my free management training. Welcome to the Mad Singers Management Podcast from madsingers.com, where entrepreneurs and business managers learn and share. If you like the show, don't forget to leave a review. Hello, hello, and welcome to this episode of the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Susanna Dobro. Welcome to the show, Susanna. Hey, Mas, thank you so much for having me. Excellent, excellent. And guys, I'm excited today. We're going to talk management as always, but we have some exciting topics to cover. So, Susanna, first of all, what is management to you and how do you look at management? So, management to me could be uh, anything uh, that needs or that is working towards solving something. So, you know, you like I would say many people are perceiving management as someone who is about them and they are managing them, right? That's the usual perspective of, well, let's say, employee, uh, employer. Um, so it's that relationship between people. So management also could be the other way around, like, so, you know, the, the typical sentence, manage up, you need to learn how to manage up. So there is a, there is a meaning behind that. Yep, definitely, definitely. And what about your background and so on? And uh, I, I have a feeling that there might be one or two people in the world that still doesn't know who you are. So would you mind sharing a little bit about your background and how you ended up where you are today? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I am, I'm a leader in design thinking transformation for entrepreneurs and also my commercial background. I've been uh, working in customer experience and user experience for over a decade for uh, 500, uh, top 500, you know, fortune brands uh, to startups, uh, to smaller businesses. And, and now I also focus on entrepreneurs and really small starting up businesses and helping them with their customer research uh, and uh, overall customer experience. Excellent. That sounds cool. What makes you the most excited? Like when, when do you really get excited in business? When there is an interesting challenge that makes me think, hmm, I don't know exactly how this needs to be solved, or I, you know, like I, I don't have the answers. And it, it's really exciting for me to see, like, okay, hold on a second, like, what is the challenge and how can we actually solve it? And then I start from there. That's what really, you know, keeps me on my toes. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Now, you're in a situation where you get in and you, you get to work with a lot of companies, right? And, and a lot of the listeners, they often either work in like agencies or, you know, they have businesses where once in a while they, they go and collaborate with other people, either clients or, you know, even they have client, they, they have service providers coming into their business. So I would love to talk a little bit today about how you effectively collaborate with people if we take it from within their business, right? So if you are a service provider and you more go into a big organization that's already existing, like what's the best way of, of really making sure you set an effective fingerprint, I guess, on the business? Sure. That's, that's a great question. You know, like uh, from my past experience, just so the listeners understand where I come from, I've been on all of the sides of the business. So I've been, uh, let's say, uh, part of the external agency that went in uh, to, to, to work on a project uh, and to collaborate with other agencies or other providers uh, to, to really make the project happen. I've also been in-house. So part of the brand, uh, part of the big, you know, big, uh, big company that had agencies coming in and collaborating with us uh, on a project uh, and then also um, acting as an independent consultant, I would be coming now, uh, that's, that, that's my current uh, you know, uh, know-how really, coming in into the businesses and finding out that obviously there are gonna be other providers uh, and uh, most probably other two, maybe three different agencies um, that would be then working on a very similar project, if not the same project, so, you know, the, the overall goal that the brand or company needs to achieve. So I've been all, you know, on, on a full spectrum uh, of, of this point of view. And uh, I would say that really helped me to, 
to be able to you know, like kind of a, establish that connection, first of all, with your client. Uh, you know, let's, let's, let's talk about it's some type of a brand that has a campaign. They're preparing the campaign. Uh, and, you know, it, as you know, you might be starting that campaign with a client or you might be actually almost parachuting in halfway through the campaign. So you need to understand where, uh, where exactly in a, in a campaign and in a timeline you are actually entering the project. And it's all about really uh, establishing a very healthy relationship, first of all, with a client and understanding their needs, understanding what needs to be done, understanding clearly what you've been hired for and understanding who you are going to be collaborating. So first you need to understand your client and then you also should be very aware if there is another agency or other two agencies that are looking after the different aspects uh, of the project, you need to, you need to be aware who they are and establish just a really, you know, a friendly, uh, personal, uh, ideally face-to-face, -face, uh, you know, uh, relationship and discussion. And then become, you need to understand that you are becoming part of the team that's already been running something has an experience uh, and you need to understand where your position is and where you can bring the full value. But first I would say, listen, you need to become, become a very good listener and really uh, gather the information for yourself. Who is who, who needs help with who and what is your responsibility and clearly uh, be a leader in your specific area because they will be heavily, uh, you know, they will be heavily leaning uh, towards you and towards your guidance and leadership to really take care of that part of the business they hired you for. So you need to be very aware of that. Definitely. I, I love that perspective because I mean, I, I work a lot in the SEO world um, amongst other areas, but particularly yes. in the SEO world, there's a lot of people that know their stuff, but <laughs> yeah. they are yeah. often not very good to put it politely at building relationships. Right. Mm. And very often, you know, you see all these rants on like Facebook or anywhere and like, Oh, I work with a client and you know, he, I told him to do this and they didn't do it. And you know, now they're screwed for life type thing. And like the only thing I always think is, you know, when, when people aren't doing or what you ask them to do, it's typically not their fault. It's often your lack of ability to communicate effectively that actually puts them in that position, right? Because very, very few people are purposely going to do something they believe is stupid, right? I'm not saying there's no one, but I'm just saying very, very few people gets up and say, oh, that sounds very stupid. Let me go do that, right? <laughs> so a lot of the time, and, and this is where often, particularly when there's multiple agencies in the in the the game right i see a lot of people kind of you know getting e either getting their ego squished a little bit or you know they're like oh it have to be my way or the highway or like that they, they don't understand the the sort of skill set and that they're not necessarily very strong in the skill set of collaboration right and I, I really like the way you put that across because i think in in, in many businesses that's definitely something that's I mean, from a management standpoint, it's number one, right? Like I, I yeah. always say that, that the absolute first thing to be an effective manager is, is learning how to build effective relationships with the people who work with you or for you, if you will. Yeah, and yeah I agree. That's yeah. to get the most out of them. And it's the same thing. If you're working with a client, right, the better relationship you have with them, the more likely they are to listen, the more leeway they're likely to give you, and fundamentally, the more likely you are to deliver results. Because in most cases, if you are any kind of service provider or even, even provide something that is, is sort of a common service, right? The more people are actually listening to you and your advice, the more likely you are to be successful. And the more successful you are, the better results you deliver, the more likely it is that those customers will actually come back. Right? Yeah. So it's, it's, and and all recommend you to exactly, someone else. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I really like what you said about, you know, management, uh, you know, a really good manager enables people. You see, yep. it's like it, they, they really enable the best and, and you know, that, that uh, finds uh, those talents and how individual person, like individual, you know, person on the team really works and really helps them to enable that. So, 
it's uh, it's very important the communication. I would say. I, I would say that anyone who is who is in a you know like a business provider. So this is primary. I would say B two B business uh, uh, area. Anyone who is let's say you know the founder or uh, the CEO of any of small company. Uh, then uh, going into the businesses and helping them, you know, to achieve something. If they feel that they are not really skilled when it comes to, you know, communicating with people and establishing that initial rapport, right, with your clients uh, and external collaborators, agencies, then I would highly recommend them to consider hiring someone who has this skill set so they can be front face of the company and establishing that initial. Because, you know, not everyone, like let's, let's talk about SEO. Not everyone who is, who is doing a SEO or running an agency or being a, you know, individual consultant really likes talking to the people that too much or, or just being in forefront and establishing the, you know, not everyone really digs that, let's be honest. Uh, and they might be brilliant in the back end, right? Uh, yeah. Behind the scenes, actually doing the things, actually getting the results done, really, you know, uh, like really focusing and getting the stuff, getting the results. But if they don't know how to communicate that what really needs to be done, as you said, uh, it's, it's, it's not gonna happen because the clients are gonna be doubtful. Uh, they're not gonna be sure. So I, I would say like um, uh, persuasion, uh, ethical persuasion and and really having that uh, clear communication and confidence about what is possible to achieve and setting out that plan why why it needs to be done this way is crucial but you only achieve that if you're communicating that unless you have uh, insane amount of recommendations from uh, other companies and, and brilliant case studies where you know new client coming to you most probably comes recommended by someone else, and it's much easier, I would say, to then uh, you know uh, get them uh, get them you know doing and setting up and tweaking the the way you need. So also depends you know what level of um, you know authority you have in your field. That's very important too. Yeah, I, I think I think though in in any case like expectation versus reality is key, right? Like, yeah. particularly if you know, like I, I've worked with a lot of people that know they're not particularly good communicators, right? And and the thing is, if you make that clear up front, like if you tell a client, like, you know, I will give you one update every 14 days, mm. right? That's, even if that's not a lot, it's still better that they have that expectation than you tell them, oh, I'm going to update you very regularly and then, you know, that's vague enough for the client to put one sort of expectation in their mind where really it's something else you're going to deliver, right? So one, one of the key things that I always tell people, particularly if they're not natural, strong communicators is make sure you're always under promise and over deliver and particularly from a communication standpoint, right? So don't say nothing. Don't just expect they know what to get from you, but actually tell them how frequently they can expect to get like an update for you, how often you expect to communicate with them and yeah. whatever you promise them actually stick to it. Right. Because Please that do. will buy, <laughs> that, that will buy you so much leeway. Like, and you know, I know, I know people that work in well, multiple industries, but, but also in the SEO industry as an example, and they literally tell clients, you know, you can't email me or you can only email me. You're, you're never going to talk with me on the phone. Right. But here's the service we provide. This is the yeah, requirements, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. And, and the thing is, when you set clear expectation, there's definitely people who would say, nope, that's not for me. And that's okay. Yeah. Right. Like you, you don't want to trick someone into signing with you if they're not going to be a success. Right. Yeah. And a lot of, a lot of new entrepreneurs are often in this situation where they see, they see cash and they're like, Oh yeah, we'll do whatever we can to get the client. But they deep inside, they know they won't, right? So what end up happening is they often lose them. And it's not just, you know, they maybe get them to pay for a month or two, but fundamentally they lose the client who have a bad experience. And yeah. if anything, they end up talking negative about them and that have a lot bigger cost, right? Because- oh, huge. huge. Yeah, I mean, particularly yeah. if you're doing anything recurring where you ideally want customers staying for a longer time, right? Yeah. You're much, much better- spending the extra time finding the right type of clients for you and then, you know, really making sure they become a success. 
Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more, hundred percent. Because you know, if your business is you, I mean, let's let's just say you as a, as an entrepreneur or small business owner, you are your business, and if your business, which means you, are not aligned with your clients, you going to first of all waste a lot of time, effort, and potential burnout and bad rap from the client who has been unhappy with your services, even though you might have provided the best in a given moment, uh, you know, according to, let's say, uh, industry standards. But if that client does not understand that, and if if the client is just not aligned with you and you should not, you shouldn't have started, you know, working with that client, you're looking for a trouble in the long run. Uh, You know, if you desperately try to stick to the client because you are, let's say, really tight on a cash flow. And I also understand that side, you know, like you do have a cash flow, you need to watch out for that. And uh, you, you really want to keep your business, uh, you know, afloat as many entrepreneurs do. Uh, but if you don't realize what type of a client is really ideal for you, uh, you, you're not going to, I would say you're going to struggle in your business. So you're going to have a huge spikes of ups and downs. And uh, it's just, I don't think that's the right way of building a business and, and especially a reputation because even though if, if uh, you know, the, the, the client is unhappy and they still can talk to other people and guess what? It's still a small world. People talk to each other, you know, business owners talk to other business owners. Uh, business owners uh, join uh, a different masterminds or different groups where, you know, where they hang around together and they, they learn from each other. Guess what? They talk to each other. What do you think about so-and-so? Who do you recommend about so-and-so? Who do you, you know, who should I steer clear of, right? What's your experience with so-and-so? So people always check uh, and people talk and anyone who is uh, not able to deliver, uh, you know, their promise uh, will, uh, they will, they will run out, essentially, they will run out of quality clients, potential quality clients. And there is one more aspect which I would add to that. If you onboard a client which you somehow feel that this is not the right match, think of the opportunity cost you are leaving behind. This is huge. I wish, I wish more, more business owners would actually realize this. And particularly in the aspect of where your time goes, right? Because it's, it's the good old 80-20, but the wrong way around. So when, when you look <laughs> at your clients right now, if you go and analyze your business, you realize that 20% of your clients generally take 80% of your time, right? And yeah. that is exactly, those 20% is generally bad match, right? And it's often yeah. some that, you know, they don't really fit into your process, but you're desperate to try and get some people on board. So you start doing something exceptionally or something different for them. And, you know, you, you basically end up with clients that that doesn't fit your process specifically or, or keep asking or, or expecting more. Yeah. Um, and, and pretty much, I would say pretty much every single client that I start working with have this problem to a certain extent, right? And it's one of the things, like as a coach, it's one of those things that I've luckily always been pretty good at, right? Like I've had, I've had hundreds of clients by now and I, I, I can still say that I've never had anyone walk away unhappy, right? And the key thing, that's not because I'm necessarily the, the best coach in the universe, but it's because I'm very good at knowing who I can help mm. and who I'm not confident I can help because if I feel that I'm, I'm not clear that I can actually help someone, like I will, I will tell them one and two, I, I will definitely walk away from it. Right. I, I don't want clients that aren't getting a good ROI from working with me mm-hmm. because in the end of the day, they're just going to be unhappy. Right. And I, I mean, my, my business, we've up in life for about seven years now. Right. And I, I literally live on referrals. Like I, I, I don't run any ads. I literally do no marketing. I do, I do some speaking gigs, but like I have no problem filling up my calendar with just like referral clients and people I meet and talk to, right? And, and still turning a fair chunk away. And that's, that's the snowball effect of when you always deliver, um, you know, people talk about you. And, and I feel it. Like it, it mm. took a few years before I, I saw it, but like I feel it. When I walk into a room at a conference, like, there's, there's always people coming my way, 
right? And it's like, oh, this guy said I should talk to you and, you know, so on and so forth. And, and that, that is the impact you get when you become good at, at really scoping out who is your ideal client and when you become good at saying no to the clients that are not, mm-hmm. right? So can I, can I ask, what is your process? So uh, do you have like a set process of actually, you know, onboarding a person or sussing out if this is the client that uh, is going to be a good fit for you? Do you have like a questionnaire? What, what's your process actually yep. knowing that this is, this is not going to be a good match? Yeah. So uh, the first process or the, f- the first thing I look at is personality match. All right. So there's certain personalities that I work a lot better with than others. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm a huge believer in, in disc and I, I've done a lot of disc. It, it's not necessarily only the personality, but you know, some people you just, how do you say that? You get a certain vibe from them. That's yeah. very different from yourself. Right. And, I, I, I tend to not even mention the option of coaching with those people. Um, and, and yeah, I'm not even putting it on the table as an option really. Um, if people, so I, I basically have a training course now in front of my coaching. So basically people who go through that, they tend to end up in a, in a coaching session with me. Mm-hmm. So I give them a free coaching session with that. And basically in that coaching session, I, I, I try and help them understand what the challenges is and, you know, give them some coaching on the spot to yeah. try and, you know, help them further. And then fundamentally what I then look at is basically do they need additional help or have my course actually fix the issues they have? Mm-hmm. Or if they do need additional help, am I confident that I can um, solve the problem or, or at least give them a positive ROI in working with me? Right. So yeah. that's, that's basically my process. So no, no one ever starts coaching with me before I've had a phone call with them. Right. So that there's no like click the button here to pay some money and you know, you, you'll be a client and we'll figure out what to do. Like everyone have talked with me before becoming a client and I I already have a good idea of, you know, what the challenge is and and so on. And yeah, that's, that's super, super important for me. Mm -hmm. So, so, uh, you know, it sounds like you actually basically then after they get to know you through your course, right? Uh, and get to know you, get to, you know, like you and trust you, then you, you, you know, personally have the consultation with them and, uh, you basically see, you know, what further is there that you, you might be able to help them. Uh, and I'm guessing also, you know, at least with me, if I am not the right match for them and I know that they need help and they genuinely need help, then I actually refer them to someone else who is, who is actually a specialist in a certain field in whatever they need to be solving. So, you know, like your network is always there and uh, I only recommend someone that I trust or worked with and yeah. I, I know they have a result. So then, you know, for me at least, uh, I, uh, I usually recommend and send people that way uh, because I can identify, I can see that this is what you need and this is why you need it. And if I am not the one or, or I don't have a bad myth, then I recommend someone else. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm exactly the same. I mean, so from my perspective, for example, I, like, I, I know finance really well, mm-hmm. but like really going deep, deep dive and, and doing financial planning and things like that is not something I enjoy particularly. <laughs> yeah. so I, I always have, um, no, just because it, it's more a question of the time versus impact. Right. So, mm-hmm. so, it can be super helpful, but it's often something that if you really want to do it well with a client, you really need to invest some, a lot of time going deep into it. And I, I, I have a, a guy that I know that's really, really good at that. And, and every time I have someone that sort of needs hardcore help in that area, I, yeah. I, I tend to refer them to him instead, right? Um, just because I know they'll get a good treatment and they, they probably get someone who is, uh, well, they get someone who is, who is a little bit more, into doing that kind of stuff right yeah i like the way you said it a little bit more into doing stuff because i i personally uh i'm more of a bigger picture and uh, i can do and dive into the details but i cannot be there for very long time it drains me so i do understand uh, you know what what is my forte i don't understand where i thrive uh i'm able to shift and go into more you know uh, really detailed work and information and data 
but I know I do not dig that, but I do it when I need to, because I'm curious. So I want to be familiar with, but to do it on prolonged, you know, a period of time, I know I'm not the fastest and I know I'm not the best at it. And I leave it to those exactly as you said, those people that really, you know, dig that area. Yeah. Yeah, but that's good. That's good. And I think, uh, yeah, I mean, when, when you look at it high level with, with client businesses, right? I mean, mm. I, I say this a lot, but what, one of the key things that I learned when I work corporate management is that when you go into a meeting to get a decision, you need to know the answer before you walk into the meeting. <laughs> and what that means, and, and this is something that very, very few people do, but fundamentally, if you're, for example, if you're trying to convince a client of something, or if you're, you know, like you, the scenario you mentioned before, where you're multiple people collaborating, you, you need to go and make sure that you talk to the people who are, I mean, sometimes it's not a vote, right? But, but you basically go ahead and talk to the people who are going to voice their opinion prior to the meeting and get them convinced prior to the meeting that whatever it is you want to do is the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. Right. Because when you're first in a meeting, you never know what happens. You never know what, what way people's brains are turning and so on. Right. So fundamentally you really need to be proactive. Uh, obviously a sales meeting, you can't always know what's going to happen if you're trying to sell someone, but, yeah. but most meetings, like when you do giving updates, um, like one of the things I would always do if, if, if I have some key stakeholders, and you know i'm i'm about to give an update and particularly if there's something where i really need someone's support or you know where something difficult have happened where you know it's going to be a little bit of a difficult situation i always call the the important people who i feel i need support from beforehand yeah and one make sure they understand the situation and to make sure that I basically put myself in a situation where I kind of get their support beforehand, right? So I'm not sitting trying to convince people in the actual meeting of saying, oh, this is the right way to go around it and so on, right? So actually what happens prior to meetings is often much more important than what happens in meetings. And that's probably the biggest trick that I see many, many business owners that, that haven't definitely haven't been in the corporate world that um, struggle with that a lot, right? Because they're like, oh, but I walked into this meeting, you know, I had the right plan. My plan was much better than anyone else's and, you know, people didn't get it. But the reason why they didn't get it was you didn't take the time prior to the meeting to actually go through it with them and make sure they understood it and make sure they were ready to vouch for it, right? Yeah. So that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's a huge thing from my experience and, and that's definitely something where, many many business owners have a have a lot to learn if you will yeah you know that loops exactly back to the the, the previous uh what we were talking about and it's communication yeah. so so you know there is there is another element you by what you just described what you know what what you are doing is that you are actually keeping up to date the key stakeholders and you need to understand who those uh, key stakeholders are you also need to understand who is the decision maker and, uh, you know, uh, I understand, in, you know, in Corp, you not always have a direct access to, uh, you know, all of them at, at the, you know, at all the time because they're busy usually. But uh, if that project is really important and you know how to communicate well, they will make time for you. You see, this is very important, you know, distinction, uh, uh, having them understand how crucial it is for them to be up to date prior any decision making in a meeting, you know, uh, rooms and, and so on. So, you know, absolutely. Uh, I, I very much agree with you, what you, what you described. It's very important. And it's a communication again. Yep. Definitely. Definitely. Any other key things that you can think of in terms of sort of client engagements and so on? Is there any, anything else we haven't touched on yet that you think we still need to touch on a bit? Sure. Uh, I would say, how about looking at uh, communication uh, with companies, or uh, let's say with corp, uh, you know, corporations and with the teams and stakeholders from a little bit different perspective. And that is, what if you do not have access to stakeholders, you know, most of the time. What if you cannot actually update them prior to the, you know, let's say a meeting. And what if they are in complete disagreement 
how the thing should be, you know, done and, you know, what should be do, uh, what should, what we should do, you know, as a team, even as an external. Uh, so there's another aspect that, uh, a lot of companies, uh, I would say, are now adopting, and uh, I'm not sure if you had uh, opportunity to be part of such a process, but this is all about doing uh, sessions together. You can call them workshops. Uh, you can, you know, some, some people call them uh, brainstorms, but brainstorms are a different thing to a workshop where what I'm talking about is that when a team is, let's say, struggling or they're halfway through the project and something is not going on and they cannot agree, and, and I'm sure you will under, um, agree with me that sometimes in a bigger core uh, you know, organization, you will have a different teams also collaborating on the same project within that company, and those teams are not agreeing amongst themselves. So there is like a, you could also call it like an internal disagreement, internal war, whatever you want to call it. But I see this quite often where, let's say, heads of those departments uh, or, uh, you know, lead uh, people in those departments are actually not, uh, unable to actually come to a normal agreement, you know, uh, within the company and everyone is basically having their point of view and, and just kind of, you know, ignoring the, the, the other possibilities. So there is a lot of basically, uh, I would say, from my perspective as external, a lot of miscommunication. And then it also it goes back to the psychology and how people are behaving and you, you kind of want to understand it also. But uh, what I've been part of and what I've been hired in uh, to actually help uh, people and help uh, bigger companies to, to, to solve is this, is the internal uh, you know, miscommunication and uh, not being able to find a solution that can move the project forward uh, where I will be coming in and leading a, as a facilitator to do a specific workshop. So this could be a creative workshop. This could be innovation workshop. This could be uh, a finding a new solution or, or agreeing on the potential solutions. And this is part of the, you know, uh, part of the expertise that, uh, that I have where I'm able to work with uh, very different uh, leads, very different stakeholders uh, some of them very difficult, uh, and so you know, uh, and it's like it, it is a beautiful combination of lots of different personalities, and uh, there is a process that you can you know uh, take them through to get to the common goal, and it really it really rolls back to actually bringing people together into the room uh, and setting the right expectations, explaining what's going to be happening, why are we doing this, uh, getting them on, bo on board beforehand, obviously, agreeing, right? Uh, and then really working through the, through the process and working through the, I'm not talking about the negotiation, that's a different thing. Actually yeah. working together on the project and exploring all of the perspectives. So quite often I find very interesting aspect that, ha you know, that, that comes out of these uh, workshop, uh, workshops is that they all suddenly lose whose idea was what. So it's like, if you get, if you get the teams and if you get the st even stakeholders to build on top of each other on their, you know, ideas, it all becomes like just, just one and no one is like, I said that, you know, I am the one. <laughs> it's none of that. You, you are able to eliminate that, the, you know, part of the, I would say, you know, probably it's just, a, you know, personalities, right? That try to I, I think, something. Yeah, I think, I mean, my experience in that area is, is also that different people within the same organization have often have very different priorities, right? And I, yeah. I think that's, that's also one of the tricks that a lot of people are missing because, when when you're dealing with one organization, if you come in as a I don't know like yeah an agency and and supposed to help with marketing for example right like to you the goal is clear you need to basically bring more people in to the business make more help them make more sales right but yeah. there's a lot of different interests within the business that might actually point in different directions so some people might want to do one type of sale instead of the other. Others might, you know, focus a lot on the method because that's what they believe in and so on and so forth, right? So within an organization, you often have a lot of stakeholders mm -hmm. that, and, and it's not necessarily because they want different things per se, 
But the very, very critical thing is understanding what the different stakeholders are looking for and finding ways where, where you can sell the idea in that direction, right? Because the, yeah. the thing is, a lot of the time, you probably are wanting to do the right thing, but the challenge is that people might not see it that way and they might not feel that their interests are being looked out for, right? So when you actually put yourself in a position where you communicate with people first, get to know what they're really looking for. And when you know that, you can then go back to them and say, you know, oh, you really want to sell these, I don't know, big products or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, here's a plan for how we can do that. And someone else might want to sell small products and you then go and say, hey, you know, here's the plan. Now, you know, some of the plan is to sell some of these big ones and some of the plan is to sell these bigger, these smaller ones. But fundamentally, the whole thing is that you, you want to, you want to basically create win-win-win situations, right? Where, where everyone feels they're getting something out of it in a, from a positive perspective. Yeah. And I, I think that was, I mean, that was one of the most important business lessons that I ever learned that, you know, it's not about someone winning and someone losing. There, there's almost always cases where everyone wins, but people are so busy looking out for themselves that they often don't see the, the, the best opportunities around. Right. And that's one of the benefits of being like helping negotiate and helping to do workshops like yourself is the fact that, you know, you, it's easier from the outside to go in and actually see those things sometimes. And fundamentally you put yourself in a situation where, you know, you help them solve multiple problems. Yeah, that, that really, it's, it's a ripple effect because, you know, me coming in uh, as external, I don't have any associations. I don't have any emotional attachments. I don't have any history. I don't have any bias, you know, yeah. within that company. Uh, and that makes me very neutral ground. And that is part of my job to create the neutral ground for uh, people working within that company and help them uh, really to see those, uh, you know, different interests and they, you know, different departments have a different roles to, to, to play. And uh, even often, and I, I don't know how it is for you, but what I realize is that the bigger company is, harder uh, it is for people to stay up to date, communicating amongst each other and understanding what other people are actually trying to solve. So, you know, like, like, like more it grows, right? Uh, it's much harder for them to actually then, then, then see what are the differences. And, and there's a lot of, uh, lack of communication or clear understanding of that, what that communication actually means, right? And there is a lot of interpretation and misinterpretation. So it's very fascinating to see that, you know, like more, more they grow, slower they become, right? Smaller company, more agile, more faster. Uh, so, you know, those, those kind of rules are still staying there. But what's your experience in, in like more, more the company grows, it, it, it's much harder for people to actually, you know, communicate clearly. Yeah, I, I think it goes back to the fact that, that a lot of businesses don't have very strong communication processes, right? Mm. And I, I think fundamentally, I mean, communication is one of the, yeah, probably probably one of the top two or three things that I spend most time on with my clients, right? Because it is that important. But mm -hmm. But I think fundamentally, again, like, the, the bigger companies get, the more they tend to focus on their own silos, right? And I, I actually worked with a client at one point that ended up losing so much money where they had one department, sales and marketing, that was basically preparing for, it wasn't a product launch, but it was basically a huge push for a product that, you know, made them really good margins and so on. Uh, the challenge was they hadn't actually checked with, with fulfillment department and and basically supply. So they end up launching this huge campaign for product that was going to be out of stock for like eight months or something. Oh and, and that was a typical example of not, not miscommunication, but no communication between departments. Right. How is that? How is that possible within one company? Yeah, and, this and always puzzled me. Like what, what, what happens is when you have a, a small company, right? When you have five people, they always communicate, but when they grow bigger and bigger, you know, sales literally becomes a separate unit. Operations becomes yeah. a separate unit. Finance becomes a separate unit. And if, if you don't have strong communication in the top, 
it is very, very difficult for the organization to actually achieve communication at any level, right? Mm. And even when you have pretty good communication on the top, again, having a great company culture where things are actually communicated down to the organization in an effective manner can definitely also be very difficult, right? Yeah. So, so again, like communication is really that critical, but it, it's, it's very, very easy for people to end up in situations where fundamentally it's not effective for them to be, right? And then going back to the same point, I mean, when you're a service provider, again, you often think, oh, I'm just going in to do this thing. But you, you end up very often in this political game. And I, I know a lot of people saying, oh, that's not for me. If organizations like that, you know, they're not someone I want to work with. And, and that's okay to a certain extent. But most people would like bigger clients. Like most people would like bigger corporations and so on as clients, right? Mm -hmm. And if you do want that, you need to learn to play that game and you need to learn to not just say, this is what I do, but actually look at, again, the stakeholders. You need to look at people's interests and, and, and being able to do that effectively so that, yeah. again, in the end of the day, people don't look at if you set the right thing. They don't look at if you gave the right solution. They look at the actual outcome. And if your solution was perfect, but never implemented, your solution is worth nothing, right? 100%, your, solu yeah. your solution is only worth something if it get implemented. So that again, the people that are successful working with these larger companies is people who understand how to communicate and how to actually get what they're providing rolled out to the clients, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. I think, you know, the point that you raised that, you know, a lot of lot of uh, companies would actually want to have a bigger clients. I think it's, yeah, you, you very much, uh, you know, spot on in there. Uh, do you think that smaller businesses are scared of onboarding bigger clients? No, I, I think they don't. First of all, there's often more networking in mm -hmm. working with bigger clients. Like the, the benefit of, if you will, of working with an entrepreneur is you you talk to the man in charge and, and stuff can happen really quickly, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, man or woman, if you will. Uh, but, but when you work with, with bigger businesses, first of all, the decision cycle tends to be longer. Oh, yeah. Uh, which, you know, for a lot of entrepreneurs, they're needing cash here now. So they, they sometimes don't, like a, a six-month decision cycle, don't always seem very sexy to them. Um, so that's also a challenge. But, but I think fundamentally, like they, they all want to be in a situation where they have bigger clients, right? They're, they're all aiming for that, but they, they simply just don't know how to, let's call it, play the game. Or they, they don't know how to find these clients. They don't know if they actually get them on the phone or get talking to them. They, they don't know how to communicate uh, because like selling a, a huge corporate client is very, very different, right? Like if you sell an entrepreneur, it's like, yeah, you give me a thousand dollars and I'll make sure you make two, right? But <laughs> working with larger companies, it's, it's a totally different game, right? And you, you need to understand that game before you, you start doing that, right? Yeah, yeah, I agree. So very good, very good, Susanna. I think that was a very, very good conversation. Mm. Anything, anything else from a management standpoint, any sort of favorite recommendations or resources or anything that you, you think the audience should, should have a listen to or have a look at? Sure. Um, anything else? You know, that one thing that came to my mind and maybe this is very particular for, for certain, uh, uh, people. So this could be actually uh, useful for anyone who is actually working as a, as an employee within uh, the organization or uh, a business owner or a small business owner who is collaborating or uh, working as an external uh, with, with a company that they might have a stakeholder or manager that is very, uh, let's say, micromanaging or always wanting to know everything. And uh, it almost feel like, you know, like they're like a helicopter manager, like just hoovering on top of you all the time. So, uh, and they usually tend to be very uh, detail-orientated people. So I would say yes. it's very important to understand what 
type of a profile of the stakeholder or the manager you are collaborating with or working for. And this is crucial for you to actually identify. So I would, I would say uh, anyone to, to really get, uh, let's say, maybe a coach that helped them to understand how to understand people or, or, or you know, work with people. And uh, one of the tricks uh, that, that tend to work really well uh, that from my experience is that anytime I'm dealing with someone who is very detail oriented and maybe it's even unsure about their position within the company and they're trying to prove themselves. Uh, so they hired you in so you can work on their project, whatever that is. Uh, one thing that really helped uh, was almost over delivering the information about the progress of the work you are doing. So if you, I'll give you an example. So if you basically set yourself uh, and uh, up for, for communicating, you know, more than usual with this particular stakeholder or manager, let's say, put yourself a calendar reminder every Friday, send a recap of the whole work and everything you've done and just, just, just blast right out maybe two, three pages with details, with information, whatever it is what you are working on and send it to this person so they have it in their inbox. And what that really does is that, first of all, you actually, for yourself, recapping everything what happened. So it's a very good practice for you to then build a case study. But about it all, you are actually providing this person a detailed information they desire, they need. And guess what? It's almost never uh, you know, happening that they would read all of it or that they, they would use all of it. But it gives them uh, a, a kind of a sense of a security that they can always go back, roll back, and tap into the information. So they can then feed it back and provide in the meetings they have internally with their manager or whatever that is. So yeah. over-delivered information you are actually working on is one way of uh, dealing with anyone who is very you know, controlling or very detail oriented and, and, and just, just very, you know, like anxious. Uh, so you need to understand what type of a people you are dealing with. I think this, this would be very, very crucial information for you to have on board. Yeah. And, and that's actually the first thing I, people learn in my course. That's uh, <laughs> figuring, out pers- <laughs> figuring out personalities and, and really understanding the, the type of person you're, you're dealing with. And actually just a, another follow up point on that. Right. So, a lot of the time, particularly with bigger companies, right? One of the best things you can do in, in the sales role is make sure you help people sell it to their boss. So, oh, you know, when, you, when you're working with entrepreneurs, it's always about convincing the person in front of you. But when you're working with bigger companies, that is rarely who you're trying to convince. So if you're talking with someone who is a SEO manager or marketing manager, you, you might have a great proposal, but they need to go and sell that to their boss. Yep. Now, if you help them do that, if you put some information together, you know, things like ROI and, you know, clear expectation and so on and so forth, that actually make it really, really easy for that individual to sell what you're doing to their boss, then that is one of the best ways to increase the likelihood of you actually getting them as a client, right? So yep. that was... Yeah, something that just popped up in my mind. But that's actually something that, you know, again, a lot of people who doesn't understand the corporate world doesn't really get it because they, they're just like, oh, I always tell people this and, you know, they just sign and get started. But but in the corporate world, there's often much more, uh, there's a bigger decision metric and there's basically often more people who needs to sign off. And very often it's, you know, someone comes to their boss and say, hey, boss, I think we should do SEO or, you know, I think we should do Facebook ads. And the boss says, okay, you know, go and figure out a proposal and figure out what it would cost and whatever. Yeah. And when they then go get it, if it's not clear to the boss who, who asked for the proposal, like what the benefits is and that they're going to make money from it, then, you know, it's significantly likely that it would ever happen. So. Yeah, yeah, 100% agree. You know, there, there's another thing that uh, I usually tell my peers as a, as a piece of advice when, when I'm asked uh, also is that try to teach some something. So, you know, whoever's the, 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 I would say not the decision maker, but whoever is the, the person you are coming in into that corporation uh, through, uh, so is seeking your expertise, 
try to, on the sidelines, always teach them something without them knowing that you are actually teaching them something because then they will, uh, you know, they will not feel like, oh, you know, I feel silly that I didn't know this, right? No, but it, it's, it's a very subtle way of, of actually sharing your expertise and making them actually becoming that, right? The knowledgeable. So on the long run, people will remember you because of this, because you are giving them a, a knowledge and you are giving them experience. And also, I think, you know, if, if you are genuine about actually teaching them something more, they will appreciate it. They will, they will not forget it. So this is more, more about like a human exchange, which is you never know where that person is going to go uh, from that company. Uh, they might go somewhere else, uh, you know, in the same industry. So this is really building, building your, your, your friendships, right? Uh, your, your human interaction, human interaction, right? With one another. So I would always, I always recommend people try to, try to share your knowledge, try to teach them something, but do it very subtle way. So they don't know you are actually trying to teach them something just genuinely give them something. 100% agree. <laughs> right. So Sana, if people are eager to get hold of you, What's the best way of doing that? Sure. So uh, people can find me on my on my website. I think that's the, the easiest way. Uh, and that is uh, zuzanadobro.com. And let me spell it for you because my name <laughs> is a bit different. So that's uh, Z-U-Z-A-N-A-D-O-B-R-O.com. And uh, yeah, in there I have links to my social media uh profiles. So just reach out. Uh, I'd love talking to people. So yeah, just, just send me an email or reach out uh, over the Facebook or Instagram or LinkedIn. I'll, ma I'll make sure we include it all in the show notes. So thank you very much for joining me here today. It was a pleasure talking to you. Yes, thank you so much uh, for this opportunity and for your time. Excellent. And to the listeners, we'll be back again next week. See you then. Thank you for listening to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Please leave a review. It means the world to us. You can also learn more about management at madsingers.com.